0: Hello, everybody. This is the Way of the Wayfarer podcast, and here with me is Perry Keeve. Perry Keeve was nominated as the person least likely to succeed in the graduating <laughs> class of Irma High School in 2008. And uh, to the committee that came up with these decisions, look at him now. He's on a podcast. Where are you, Susie? <laughs>
1: That's funny. I actually didn't win any superlatives in high school, but both my brothers won Best Looking. What does that say you about You weren't me? supposed to
0: say anything t- till I was done, Perry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Because I was going to say that the fact that you were nominated to be the least successful person <laughs> fueled you with a rage you needed to be successful, but now the joke is dead because you came in with your facts. <laughs> which he admits
1: these things are not factual that he says.
0: <laughs> which is a perfect segue to our topic today, which as you can see by this beautiful sign. We're talking about emotions. Our last episode, we talked about joy, and at the end, we uh, basically asked our audience if they'd be uh, interested in listening to something about emotions in Mm. general, and we got a pretty good response to that episode. So here we are. We are talking about emotions in general, and uh, I want to begin by saying this, Perry. The Bible gives us a very good framework Mm. to talk about emotions uh, with one... Biblical concept that I feel that, for the most part, we misunderstand.
1: Okay. And what's that concept?
0: The concept of the heart. Now, let me ask you, when uh, you read in the Bible the heart, what do you take that to mean? What do you think the, the meaning of that word is? Well, The first
1: thing that comes to mind is the whole, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, or in Colossians where it talks about set your minds on things above, and then he says set your hearts on things above as right. well. Um, In the sense that I get the sense the guys who are writing this don't really see a large difference between the mind and the heart. Okay. Uh, that these two can are, maybe they're not the same thing, but they are so heavily
0: intertwined
1: um, that, like, Whatever you do with one, you have to be doing with the other as well.
0: Yeah. So here's the super interesting thing, right? Uh, our modern idea of the mind uh, comes very much from Greek philosophy. That's sort of where, and I think our current idea of the mind is a, a, a combination of what we now know of uh, physiology and anatomy right? and our philosophical understanding of the mind, which again, we borrow a lot from the Greeks. Right. The Jewish idea of the mind is very different from both our modern idea of the mind and the Greek idea of the mind. Hmm. And a big part of that is that they didn't necessarily understand what the brain did. Gotcha. So in the Jewish concept of the heart, the heart is not only like what makes your gives you life. Sure. Like Interestingly enough, the Bible talks about somebody having a heart attack, mm-hmm. and they understand like when your heart starts beating, you die. Right. So understood that part. They did understand it as a place for emotions, if you will. Mm. But to the word heart, they also attached the whole understanding that it was a place for your thoughts Hmm. and your choices. (laughs) And so when the—especially in the Old Testament, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about these sort of these four things in general, like your life— your feelings, mm-hmm. your thoughts, and also your choices, Decisions, which right. makes something like when the, the book of Proverbs says, "Hey, above anything else, guard, guard your, your heart." heart. Huh. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, right. Yeah. And but at the same time, I think because we sometimes uh, don't understand the, the 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 Jewish concept of the word, right? Especially a lot of times in the Old Testament, when we read certain things, uh, we get lost a little bit. Sure. And I do think it's very important for us to understand, and I think uh, this is one of the things that I really want to spend some time on uh, on this episode, is the fact that, and you alluded to it, is the fact that it's really hard to separate uh, our feelings from our behavior. Mm. At its most basic level, Perry, uh, emotion is supposed to trigger our behavior. And a a super simple example is, you know, a concept that we're all very familiar with, the whole, like, flight or flight thing. Sure. Right? You're afraid, and that feeling of fear will either uh, make you fight, or it will make you flee. Right. Right? And and at its most basic level, I think that is a very good way to understand feelings and emotions. Right. Uh, But I do... (laughs) I do want to say this, because I think one of the ways in which I often, um, well, le- let me ask you if you agree with this or not. I feel like, generally speaking, in Christianity, we are very weary of emotions. Uh, Yes, I would agree. Where do you think that weariness comes from? Um...
1: This is going to be a general statement. Sure. But, like, the first thing that came to my mind was the idea that, like, people are sensitive and, like, we don't want to, I guess, judge people because we don't want to hurt their feelings. And so it becomes this kind of tiptoeing of, like, how do we address behavior right without making the person feel bad um and then there are scriptures like you know uh say everything um you know in love or say what is helpful for building people up but i i think people get confused at the idea of like there is no pain with, or there's no gain without no pain no gain right so right. like it's a misunderstanding or a misconception that being nice all the time is the Christian thing to do. Okay. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Uh, I also, one of the things that I think, um, which I totally agree with you, and there's that side of it. The other side of it, and I think a lot of the conversations that I've had uh, that have confused a lot of things for me, is the whole idea that uh, we can't trust our feelings. Uh, right. And uh, it's it's interesting because I think we're going to talk about both of the things that we're right. talking about because because again I think the 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 framework of the heart and the idea of the heart in the Bible helps us address all of these things. Yeah. And uh, before we go on, I do want to I do want to make sure that I uh, that I say sort of where a lot of this is coming from because feelings are tricky. Right. And uh, I don't want to make it seem like the, the last thing that I want to <laughs> that I want to. Uh, uh, Sort of, we're basically coming from a place of what I hope this episode accomplishes is sort of a creating solid ground as our understanding of what we're supposed to do with our feelings. Right. Right. Because if feelings are the trigger, right, um, one of the things that I've uh, that I've read in many things that I've read about emotion and about sort of the way emotion affects us, right, is that we can't do much about what we feel. Sure. And even to share very personally, right, uh, I have a father, right, like I'm here because a man gave me life along <laughs> with my mom. But my dad wasn't really around while I was growing up. Mm. And, uh, and that fact alone, I think, created a lot of... Uh, Feelings of inadequacy in me, and I, dude, I can trace all of my insecurities and some of my biggest flaws back to the fact that my dad wasn't around much, right, while I was growing up, and this also made me very resentful of my father. But when I became a Christian, I understood that one of the big things I had to do was forgive my dad, mm. and I did. We actually had had a, a very uh, Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A great conversation about how I felt about the fact that he wasn't around and sort of what that created in me. And to my surprise, like he apologized and we had a very heartfelt conversation. And since then, and this is the amazing thing, this is what I'm getting at. Since then, uh, I feel like a lot of that, I've let go of that resentment. Like I don't feel that resentment towards my dad. Uh, But, and let me say this, growing up, I had a really hard time. Uh, well, not not. Let me say this. But let me put it this way, because I think this is a better way to put it. Uh, certain behaviors from men, right, automatically gave me uh, a low sense of worth. Mm. So when uh this wasn't this was not true from uh, female figures because I grew up with my mom and my right. mom was a great source of security for me. But I, it was very easy for me to feel insecure. Around man, gotcha. So a man had to do very little for me to not to feel a great sense of worth, right, right. And so when I became a when I became a disciple and I forgave my dad and and uh, got a lot of really positive male figures in my life, a lot of that changed. Mm -hmm. But what I'm amazed by, Perry, is that I've changed a lot in my insecurities and in my confidence and all this other stuff. And every once in a while. Uh, 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 an authority figure in my life will do something mm-hmm. that will trigger all of these feelings back right. in me, right? Right. And what amazes me about that, right, is that even though I'm a very different person, there's nothing I can do about feeling that way right. because of the way my upbringing was, Right. right? And basically what I'm getting at is that a lot of, why we feel certain things is extremely complex and complicated. Sometimes we don't even understand the sources of it. Sometimes we're not even responsible right. for us having come to reacting that way to certain things. Right. And basically what I'm saying is our feelings are uh, are supposed to trigger certain behaviors, and we can do a lot about the way that we behave and also, feelings are supposed to create some thoughts in us, and we can do a lot about the way that we think, right. but there's not much that we can do about how we feel, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like I can all of a sudden, uh, in the moment, like, that feeling of insecurity, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of times, the person that does whatever it is that makes me feel insecure, they do it with, like, a complete ignorance right. of my past. They're not trying to hurt you. Right, they're not trying to hurt me. And so uh i'd say all that to say again that that we're not this is not about like learning how to suppress our feelings this is not about like you should feel less or don't be so emotional this is really again i think the 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 idea the biblical idea of the heart i think what it allows us to do is uh, address the parts of emotion that we have a big part in deciding what to do right. which is thoughts and behavior, Right.
1: There are a lot of parts of being a, a human that are uh, natural and instinctive. Um, and in and, and this conversation about feelings, two other things come to my mind. Not only emotional feelings, but like the sense of feeling. Like we have nerves for right. a reason. And in the same kind of way that when something happens to you on on a, on a nerve level right you get slapped in the face enough times when you're young whether you like it or not when somebody raises their hand when you're older you're going to buck back right. and think like oh uh, uh, you know i don't want to get slapped again because i remember the feeling right. of being slapped and i think emotions are the same way but but like food is the same way as well like when we feel hunger we or especially if you grew up in a in a situation like me I always eat really fast for some reason. And it's because I had two older brothers. And, like, you know, the <laughs> yeah, dinner table is this. Right. Food. You know, you're just, <laughs> and so nowadays, it's like when I eat, I, I come from this background of, like, needing to get mine. And, and so now, like, even when my wife, like, if she's like, yeah, I'm not hungry, so I'm eating food. And she's like, like, can I have a bite of that? And I'm like, no. no. like. I could go get you. I will go get you some food. Don't eat what's on my plate. You know, no. That's, I'm not saying that's a godly thing to do, but I'm just saying that we, you know, it says the Bible is the, or the Bible mentions that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And I love that because it's it's giving credence to exactly what you just said. That we don't have to understand necessarily why we feel what we feel, um, and there are so many complex elements like I I think if everybody acted perfectly then all of our feelings and thoughts would work perfectly um, or would respond well as they should in every situation but because nobody has a perfect upbringing and everybody's just wayfarers in this poor world like everybody's messing up everybody's making mistakes and and we teach ourselves um, and train ourselves uh, in certain areas and ways and we don't even know we're being taught and trained but like patterns are being built in our minds right. and so we we become adults or and and then things happen and we feel all kinds of things in all kinds of situations and i like what you said those feelings aren't wrong they're simply responses to the things that we've already experienced right. but what you do because of those feelings, can be very wrong right. and very sinful. And I think we have to land somewhere in not, like you said, suppressing those feelings, but understanding that you're going to feel crazy stuff. Right. Stuff that you can't control. But you don't have to be mastered by any of those feelings. Yes.
0: And well, and let me say this, because I think uh, this is a very... Uh, I really wanted to get to this, because I think it's important, Right. Because in addressing feelings, in in sort of uh, since I've been been a Christian, the the scripture that keeps coming back again and again is one that you said, mm-hmm. which is Jeremiah seventeen, mm-hmm. right? But one of the interesting things, and I I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about this. Um, and actually, we only have we're only going through one scripture today. We're mentioning several of them, but I did want to go through this one because it's um, I think. One of the one of the things that frustrates me most about some of the ways in which we tend to talk about emotion is that what it creates is a lot of mistrust in ourselves. Mm. And especially when you talk about Jeremiah seventeen and sort of that scripture of like, hey, the heart is deceivable of all things, who can understand it? Like it just it just makes you paranoid about like am I feeling like then then what what am I like what what is the 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 ground floor right. for what's in my heart, right. you know what I mean? But this is, and I think context is super important, right? Yep. And let me, this is Jeremiah 17, verses 1 and 2. And for those of you who are not familiar with the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was, was prophesying to Judah, right, and warning them continuously that if they continued in their life of sin... <laughs> God was basically going to exile, ex- exile them and destroy their nation. Right. Right? And Jeremiah's a really long book, and there are several things in them, but the, the, the major theme of the book is that. Like, hey, you guys keep messing up. I'm warning you. God is going to exile. He's going to kill your children. He's going to kill you. All of this other stuff is going to be terrible, right? Right. And, and so at this point in time, while Jer- the people that Jeremiah are, is preaching to are horrible people. These are the people of God (laughs) who, for the most part, have basically abandoned uh, the moral expectation that God had set for them, right? right? And this is what he says about these people. This is Jeremiah 17, verses 1 and 2. It says, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool Mm. inscribed with, with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles besides the spreading trees on the high hills. And basically this scripture, right, paints a picture, right, of, and Jeremiah 17 verse 9 is when he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? between Verses 1 and 2 and verse 9 is basically further description Mm -hmm. of how bad these people are and what God is going to do to basically punish them, right? right? And so when we arrive at verse 9, the context of the hearts, if you will, that Jeremiah is talking about are these people in verses 1 and 2 who are so bad that he literally says that sin is (laughs) engraved engraved in their hearts. Yeah. So like the 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 backdrop of him saying that the heart is evil above all things you can understand it and we shouldn't basically trust it right the backdrop of that is people who are legitimately evil right. so evil that even their children are evil right and that's basically what he's saying mm-hmm. right and so i think for me context is important when we present this scripture to people because basically what what we not everybody we talk to are the people that are in verses one and two, right? Is basically what I'm getting at, right? Right, and so in in basically in Judah's darkest moment, if you will, like that is when Jeremiah is looking at a nation and going like, man, these people are not right. any good, right. right? But let me say this too, because I think the fact that their hearts were irredeemable, if you will, is an idea that the Jews. Uh, really clung to, and especially the Jewish prophets, right? So much so that they felt like the only hope they had to have a good heart was for God himself to change it. Right. And this is something that Ezekiel, and I'll read this. I I, I, I thought we only have one scripture, but we don't.
1: Amen, amen. Um,
0: so Ezekiel 36, verses 24 through 27, it says... Um, This is God talking. It says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you. Well, let me give a a little bit of context again here. This is during the exile. Ezekiel is now prophesying to the exiled nation of Israel, right? right? And basically a lot of what Ezekiel talks about is how God is going to bring them back. And so what we're reading is how it's a prophecy on how the nation of Israel will be restored. It says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land i will sprinkle clean water on you and i will and I, and you will be clean i will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh i will put my spirit in you and move and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And so one of God's promises to the nation of Israel, and again, within the framework of the heart and understanding how corrupt the heart of these people were, which you can, I think you can extend that clearly, right, to humanity in general, that because of sin in this world, we tend to have a heart that is somewhat inclined towards evil, right? But when Jesus comes, right, this is one of the things that happens. Our heart, and the authors of the New Testament put it this way, right? Our heart is circumcised. Yeah. Like we are given a new heart. We receive the spirit, right? right? And so we, we are literally renewed from the very core of where our thoughts and our emotions right. and our intentions live, right? So the future that Ezekiel was prophesying about is true, when we become christians right right? so i think and this is one of the practically speaking right this is think one of the things that we really as christians need to learn to understand is that maybe before we were christians right i will have a hard time telling anybody to really trust their hearts Right. right and to put any uh yeah to trust their hearts is basically what i'm getting at right but Once we are made new, right, our hearts are renewed. This scripture that we just read becomes true. God gives us a new heart, right, that is clearly inclined to follow his decrees and his laws. And so, and I think the tricky part about what I'm saying is uh, that we, we don't all feel that way. Right, like a lot of us become Christians, and we still have a lot of the a lot of the same tendencies and a lot of the same uh, inclinations to behave a certain way based on our feelings. Right. And I think uh, one of the tricky things is how do you how do you even change that?
1: Okay, so a few things came to my mind as you were talking. Um, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and I I think it actually directly addresses the issue, but it also um, it also shows what the heart of the issue is. No pun intended from what I'm about to read. Uh, 1 John 3. Um, I'll just start in verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. This is 1 John 3:19. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Again, this is referring to people who are in Christ, who belong to God. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Sorry, he knows everything. Um, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, this is exactly what you're talking about, and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Okay, let's stop right there. The first thing is the human condition that you mentioned. Whereas, yes, as non-Christians, we're we're pretty sinful people, because we don't know the right path. But more than that, this scripture shows this idea that God is greater than our hearts, right? Meaning the flip side of that is that our hearts oftentimes can be greater than God. Right. And and the sin Correct, yeah. that the sin that God is pointing out, even in Jeremiah, is you have your Asherah poles up. Like, you guys are idolatrous. Right. Like, you cannot stop worshiping other things. You make things bigger than me in your lives. And I think the biggest issue when it comes to feelings is not that we have them, or even that we've... You know, th- maybe they've been conditioned in some ways to respond this way or that way, but that we let them be our gods. Right. We let them control us. And then when we let our feelings control us, when we worship our own feelings, what it turns us into are people that don't care about other people's feelings. Yeah. We
0: we put our own <laughs> feelings true. over
1: other people's. So yeah. two things happen. We're idolatrous, and then we become, we become people who don't love mercy or act justly or walk with God. True. And so we throw out everything about what God is trying to teach us. So when we become Christians, like, this is the heart of lordship right here, is... Yes, we have to acknowledge our feelings. We can't suppress them. We can't ignore them. We have to acknowledge them. And then we need to bow them before God. Right. Because the scripture says we're he is greater than those feelings. And when we do that, it says we can set our hearts at rest. Right. Like we don't have, like God will take care of the feelings.
0: You know, uh, what you're saying is so true because I think, so. so here's the thing. When um, And I can say this personally as far as me, but I think this is true for all of us, right? Um, Before I was a Christian, right, I felt a certain thing. And those feelings trigger certain thoughts and trigger certain behavior that were very much uh, based on whatever morality I had come up with, right? And now that I'm a Christian, I still have those same feelings, Mm -hmm. right? But my behavior... And my thoughts are now directed by God's truth. Right. Right? And I think one of the things that is important for us to understand is this whole notion of uh, that in order to really be able to live at peace with how we feel, mm-hmm. right, we have to learn uh, the truth. Yes. Right? And, and this, is, this is, to me, a, a great example is Paul, right? Because Paul, uh, before he was a Christian, was a very zealous man. Mm-hmm. And that zeal led him to arrest and kill people. Right. But then he became a Christian, and he was still a very zealous yeah. and passionate man. Yeah. But now this zeal and passion now allowed him to go and bring life right. everywhere he went. Right. Right. And to me that is like a perfect picture of how uh our hearts mm-hmm. can really be changed. Yes. Because again, Paul you can't argue that Paul was zealous before he was a Christian. You can argue that Paul was zealous after he was a Christian. Right. What changed were his thoughts mm-hmm. and his behavior and what changed those was what he what he came to understand about Jesus yep. whom he was persecuted. Right. Right? And I think that's true for our feelings. And I think that is really the struggle is when we feel something, right? What truth are we going to believe? Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because I think that, that truth that we believe is going to determine what we think and how we behave. Right.
1: And, and I would even say, Like, it's a tale of two kings. Like, at the end of the day, this struggle within you. Because the hard thing about it is, if you were to ask somebody like, what is the right thing to do in this situation? Most people could tell you what the right thing to do is. Most people acknowledge what the truth is in most situations, but it's still, they don't want to do it. And I think that's because even when we become Christians, you know, this scripture ends by saying, um, we have confidence before God and we receive anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. So when we find ourselves, you know, my biggest pet peeve when it comes to, our culture today is this whole concept of follow your heart. <laughs> and it's like... Live y- your truth. Right. And right. like, yes, do that. If you're a Christian, follow your heart. If it's along the path of Jesus. Right. But the moment you start doing something sinful or you live in a way that doesn't please God, like it shows you that it's it's not a struggle between the emotions that you have or... No, it's a struggle between who, what God you are willing to serve. Right. What God you're going to serve. And we can choose to serve the god of our emotions and that will lead to anarchy and chaos in every situation <laughs> or we can choose to serve the god uh, the the god god right and if we serve him we can utilize our emotions sure Towards awesome and incredible things, but like our desire has to be to please him. And so, but I think there are certain times, there are situations, you know, maybe the single person who who wants to get married or wants a relationship or uh, the poor guy who wants a better job or, or whatever. There are situations where our desires and what we want because we think that getting these things are going to make us feel the best like, these desires become our gods. Right. And we throw out of the window trusting in God rather than trusting in our feelings. And again, like you said, it's not that we shouldn't trust our feelings, but, like, we shouldn't worship our feelings. Right.
0: And I think, you know, it's interesting because I think one of the things that uh, is very valid, for example, is, like, when we're feeling stressed or anxious, for example, yeah. right? Um, Personally, and I think a lot of us, we when we're feeling stressed or anxious, our tendency is to want to retreat somehow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which again, a lot of times when I'm feeling stressed or anxious is because of of valid reasons, right? right. Like I have kids, I have a wife, we have bills, like right. all this other stuff. There's there are plenty reasons for me to both feel stressed and anxious. Absolutely. Right. And so, dude, like at the end of a day or at the end of the week, like everything in me wants to sit down and like watch Netflix, yes. right? Or or uh, watch anything, right? Because I want to relax, right? And this this sense of anxiety, if yeah. you will, needs to be. And I'm not talking about clinical anxiety. I'm just talking about like some kind of anxiety, right? Or some kind of stress. Um, everything in me wants to just chill, right? right? And and again, I think there's there there is a part of me that I should obey that sense of like you know what, let me relax for a little bit, right? Right. Because that's good. I think that's good. Absolutely. But I also think there's th- there's a scenario, right, in which people feel that way, and then that becomes like twelve hours yeah. of of straight like <laughs> watching Netflix or like re- not just retreating, but like becoming a hermit that's stuck in yeah. a dark room, yeah. with something on, and it could be anything, right? Right. And I think, but I think again, that's the difference. Like I feel like, uh, what would keep me from investing 12 hours straight of watching nothing but Netflix to ease my anxiety, right? What would keep me from doing that is the fact that I know that at the end of the day, the greatest relief for my fears and my stress and my anxiety is prayer in God, right? right? And yes, like there is some relaxing to do, but that doesn't necessarily need to mean that I'm going to go and – in my behavior, just, like, abandon the right. world. Right. You know what I mean? And I think that's the difference that we're talking about. Yeah. I think when uh, when we feel certain things, the the truth of things is what sort of needs to dictate how we think
1: and how we behave. As you were talking, so two things came to my mind. One, when it came to the whole comfort thing of well, we kind of just want to chill. And I was thinking this morning, like, why is it that... That's what we want to do. And it's because it's the, it's, it, that comfort is the path of least resistance. It's like right. we all, at the end of the day, God is like, you will have all comfort in heaven. So at the end of the day, we're like, we want to be comfortable. But I, I think here there is just so much chaos and nonsense that here in this world, comfort, comfort is a luxury. And it's a luxury that a lot of us, especially Americans, have. Right. We all got couches. We all got TVs. We all got Netflix. So we're going to go home, and we're going to sit there, and we're going to look at that TV for hours on end, you know, uh, because that's what we want to do, and, and we can do that, and we have our houses. But I, I think what, what Jesus is trying to teach us is that not that comfort is a bad thing, and I do think that that kind of um, rejuvenation is – is good and necessary. Uh, maybe not for hours and hours, but it is necessary. You right. need to chill out, you know, go, go sit down, watch some Netflix, whatever. But, like, because I think Jesus is trying to get us to look beyond ourselves, like, if all we ever do with our free time is rejuvenate ourselves, I think what he's trying to show us is, like, well, you know, in, in the par- parable of the Good Samaritan, he's like, he tells the guy, do this and you will live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then at the end of the parable, he says, go and do likewise. Right. Right? And that means there's an element of our Christian lives that we should be going and serving. Right. And I I think we have to sometimes even sacrifice comfort, our own comfort, to maybe give comfort to someone else. And I'll read this scripture because it's going to also lead into what you just said. Uh, But in 1 Peter 2, and a lot of us know this scripture, but it says, all of this chapter is like about submitting to God. And in verse 21, it says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself, heart, mind, soul, and everything, to God who judges justly. Mm. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And I think Jesus was willing to, one, get uncomfortable, to deny the feelings that he had to come here and do what he needed to do to provide us with comfort. But right. more than that, like, we will be wronged in this world. Sure. People will hurt our feelings. People will be mean to us either intentionally or unintentionally. And I think this scripture right here also in, in in 2 Corinthians 10, where he says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And according to what you were saying, like these people are thinking that the thought and the hearts are all take place. captive all of your emotions and make them obedient to Christ. And I, I think there is an element of emotions where self-denial does need to be practiced, where we need to be willing to be wronged. Like, what is it for a man to be wronged? You know, like, we are so obsessed with protecting ourselves and fighting everybody else. You know, what if we were just people who really were focused on serving others and protecting them, you know? And that statement can get taken in so many different directions. All I'm saying is that, like... We need to be willing to be wronged sometimes right. and to be okay with
0: that. Yeah, But, uh, you know, you bring something up, and I think everything you're saying is true. Um, and, and I do think uh, – well, two things. I think on the one hand, uh, we – certainly in our society, there's been a movement to give too much credence to our emotions. Mm. Uh, there was a time in our society where that wasn't true. right. Uh, I feel like that's changed a lot over the past forty years, and and I think, and to be fair, I think there's been a lot of good that's come out Absolutely.
1: of that, right? Absolutely.
0: Um, I think everybody in this world, if you if you were born in the past forty years, I think you were born into a world that is a lot, uh, or at least tries to be, a lot more emotionally healthy, right? Um, and, and even though we're talking about this, and we're talking about sort of understanding. Uh, and sort of the foundation of this Really understanding the truth of God I don't want to make it seem like it's a simple thing Sure I think one of the hard things about this Is that it is a struggle mm-hmm. To sort of retrain your mind And yeah. retrain your behavior To when you feel something Have different thoughts right. And have different behaviors Right. That is really, really hard Right, absolutely You know what I mean? But I do, I do want to say this Because if you believe uh that when Christ came, part of what was fulfilled is the scripture that we read in Ezekiel, right? God is is equipped us, right? By giving us a new heart mm-hmm. and by giving us a spirit, yep. He is equipped us to be able to do that. Yeah. There is a part of this change of mind of heart. There's a part of this change of heart that uh belongs to the supernatural realm. Yes. That is not uh caused by us is not we're not responsible for. God is put it in us. Right. And so I just want to say that even though uh I don't again I don't want to make it seem like we're saying here like this is easy cuz it's not. Sure. Uh but I, at the same time I want to make everybody that's listening to this understand that we are able to in Christ, to do it, right. that God, through His Son's sacrifice, is transformed the very core of our being to be different. Right, and and, and this is the awesome thing, right? And I want to sort of close with this because I think potentially, Perry, mm-hmm. when we learn to uh, to live to to live with this new heart, right and fully embrace it. Awesome things right. happen, right? Because the, one of the biggest diff, like God is very emotional. Right. Right? For those for those people out there who don't like emotional people. <laughs> God is emotional. It's true. I am I I've learned to embrace emotional people. Like I feel like that is enriched in my life in many ways, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, God is very emotional, right? God, through the Bible, we are told at many times and through many different occasions how God feels. And God feels a lot of things. Right. But, and this is true for Jesus as well, the biggest difference, right, is that what comes out of God's emotions Hmm. is good. Right. When Jesus is moved... Either by anger, for example, Mm -hmm. and him driving the people out of the temple. Right. Right. That is good. Like he's doing something good. Right. There was some unfairness going on. There was some stealing going on. Like he sees this happening in the house of God and he's like, not here. Right. Right. And that's good. Right. He is moved by his uh, compassion and he's moved by the pain of others to do good. Right. And I think the upside of this conversation that we're having is when our heart really changes, right, and we learn to live with this new heart in which our feelings push us to do good, yeah. like think of a difference that we can really make not only in our lives but in the lives of others, right? right? So that when we do see pain, when we do, when we do feel compassion, when we do feel the pain of others, mm-hmm. when we're empathetic, not only are we feeling it, right, but we're pushed to think and behave in a good way. Right. Right? That we can see injustice, right? And not necessarily want vengeance. Right. But we want to create change that's peaceful, for example. Right. Or we want to do something for people that are poor and not necessarily go and like, and not necessarily that this is a bad thing, but, but I do think, especially today, there's a lot of social indignations about things that need to change. Right? Right? That have led to violent protests, for mm-hmm, example. Mm-hmm. But but again, with this new heart that we have, we can look at the same thing and come up with a better solution right. than to smash windows right. and burn cars. Absolutely. Right. And I think we need to I think the part of emotion that we really need to embrace is again this whole idea of the heart. God has given us a new heart, mm-hmm. right? Which again, the biblical concept of the heart is the place in which not only our life is, is hosted, but our thoughts. And our feelings mm-hmm. and our choices. Right. Right? And if God has given us a new one, dude, like, all of the, the good things that we can do when we embrace the, God, the good that God has put in us. Right? right. And again, with these emotions that we now feel, we can do good things. I think I think that's the part that really needs to excite us. Absolutely. absolutely. So, with that, we will close this here episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like this episode, give us a big thumbs up. Uh, subscribe to our podcast, or also if you're watching this on video, subscribe to our channel or our Facebook page, wherever it is that you're watching this. We put it everywhere for you yep. so that it's easy for you to find it. And, uh, you know, give us some feedback. We'd love to think what you think about this conversation, and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: See ya.